You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the Up Your Brave show with your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, that's me, here on Reality Check Radio. Today, we've got our very first returning guest. Um, a few months back, I interviewed Karen Tui Boys and we talked about homeschooling. And she's back again today by popular demand. She's back again today. Uh, we're going to dive into a different topic, but still related. We're going to be talking about study smart, what the school system doesn't teach. In other words, how to learn. Um, welcome to the show, Karen. Oh, I'm excited to be your first returnee. Mm-hmm. Well, it's exciting to have you back. Um for those of you that haven't met Karen, you haven't heard of her, Karen Tui Boys, based in lovely Wellington. Um, Karen is a champion for lifelong learning and is on a mission to transform education globally. Described as an educational alchemist, a conscious creator, and a playful priestess, she turns research into practice practical strategies which positively impact teaching and learning. She's a multi-award-winning speaker, author, and businesswoman, and an expert in effective teaching, learning, study skills, motivation, and positive thinking. She's the CEO of Spectrum Education, principal of online uh, Spectrum Online Academy, and the author of 11 books. I remember that from last time. She loves empowering teachers, parents, and students, and is the wife to one and the mother to two young adults. Karen was named the Global Evolutionary Woman of the Year in 2022. Well, that is quite quite the uh, quite the path of learning and achievements that you've had. Um, you know, it's so interesting. It's a hard time for our kids right now. The whole learning situation, some of the stuff they're being taught that I'm not sure if I want them to learn. Um, so, I guess my first question before we dive into all that is you are my returning guest. How has the response been to your first interview that we did where we talked about homeschooling? Uh, thanks, Natalie. Um, absolutely overwhelming. I've had so many calls and so many uh, people uh, reach out uh, who said they were really inspired. So I'm very humbled by that. But also I've been interviewed on the radio many, many times uh, around the world and it's probably one of the best responses I've had. So... Yay. Gotta love the Reality Check Radio listeners. Um, you know, I think the title of that, if people are searching for it, I keep saying homeschooling. It's, it was actually called, I believe, Why the School System is Broken and How to Fix It. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Indeed. So if you guys want to check that out, you can go to realitycheck.radio and either click the replays link or if you just type in, probably in the search, it might be easier, Karen, which is K-A-R-E-N space Tui, T-U-I. And that'll probably do the trick, actually. The surname is B-O-Y-E-S, but that's probably the easiest. Otherwise, I do have a replay page as well on the Up Your Brave show, and you can scroll through and look for that. She's a lovely lady with glasses and always with a heart around her neck. <laughs> and one inside as well. And Yeah, well, you'd hope so, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> so let's talk about studying. You know, it's it's. I love that it's a good time of year. I know my daughter's got some exams coming up. And I know a lot of the students are, some of these results are really important for them. First of all, in, before we get into how to study, why, if not, if some schools are teaching it, but why aren't all schools teaching our children how to study properly, effectively? <laughs> oh, I wish I knew the answer to that, Natalie. Um, I, I sort of do. Uh, it's because our schools are focused on content uh, and not process. 
So uh, if you ask a primary school teacher, what do they teach? They'll say children. If you ask a secondary school teacher, what do you teach? They'll say maths, science, horticulture. And they say subject. So they're not focused on learning and they're not focused on the children. And it's not their fault. Uh, The school system is broken, as we talked about it last time. And uh, school is based on what you know. And so the way to get through school is to be able to pass the tests. And somewhere along the line, it's this started in the 1850s, but somewhere in the line, it hasn't been self-corrected because in the 1900s, yes, we needed people to be on the farms. We needed them in the factories. We needed them to be workers. And the school system was set up to uh, create a workforce. Uh, And the way they did that was to fail 50% of people and past 50% of people. And you may have heard, and your listeners may have heard of the bell curve. And so the bell curve is a curve of normal distribution. And so you'll find that there are what they call outliers. There are people who are on the extreme of this bell curve. But the problem is uh, it's about normal distribution and there's nothing normal about being a human. The only place that is normal is the uh, dial on my washing machine. <laughs> so what is a normal human being? There is no normal. And so if you've got a really high performing class, they're going to be pulled back down because they're going to put them on the bell curve and say you can't be as good as everybody else because we need you to be normal, which is not even a thing. Uh, and if you've got a low performing class, they're going to go up a little bit. And so we used to call the scaling. They now call it something else. Uh, but yeah, so it's so teachers are focused on getting kids through the exams, but they're not focused on teaching them how because they say they haven't got time and they haven't. The curriculum is huge. It's it's big. And uh, taking time to actually teach children how to learn, which would seem to make sense because then they could go through the curriculum faster, but they don't have time (laughs) to do that. And so I've been doing this for 29, nearly 30 years, and I thought I'd be doing it for a year. Seriously thought I'd be teaching teachers, teaching parents, teaching students how children learn for a year, and then we would be able to, uh, to I'd be able to retire. I don't know. I'd be able to do something else, but I'm still doing it because it's just no capacity for schools to be able to do it themselves. Yeah, I mean, teachers are overburdened, that's for sure. And the expectations and the curriculum and things seem to keep changing with what they're expected to do and depending on the school, how they're expected to do it. Open plan, not open plan, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So thinking of the the kids, the students, what are some things that like if I was, let's say, 16 right now, what are some things that would help me to well, I guess not just study because I don't just want to pass. Like I actually do want to learn. So how to study and, and um, you know, yes, I want to pass, but I want to also learn. What what would you advise? Okay. So a couple of things. Um, one, of, one of my own quotes, it's weird to quote yourself, I know, but is to say uh, passing exams has got little to do with intelligence. It's got everything to do with strategy and technique. So first of all, we need to buff bust that myth for our kids that only the clever kids pass. It's just that the people who appear clever have strategies and the people who appear not clever don't have strategies or are not using the right strategies. So it is all about strategy and technique. Next, students need to know that when they 
uh, learning happens with three parts. Input, when we input data into the brain and the brain uh, makes it make sense. Output, when we see how much we can retrieve and then relearn. Because when we input and output, there's always going to be a gap. So uh, what happens is when students or when a school, a school decides how we're going to output by a test. And so that's how a school, many schools, particularly secondary schools, work out that you know something because you've tested on it, right? And the trouble with this is that students get seven out of 10 in their test and they go, oh, I passed. And maybe 50% was a pass in the 20th century. Maybe it was definitely a pass in the 19th century. But in the 21st century, 50% is not enough. Imagine, imagine if the air traffic controller at your local airport thought 50% was a pass. We'll get 50% of our planes landed. In fact, the truth is if you're an air traffic controller, 99.9% is not enough. It's 100%, 100% of the time. Your mechanic, think about going to your mechanic. What if your mechanic thought 50% was enough? Well, uh, you know, I'll just tighten four of three of the bolts instead of uh, six of them. Uh, and we'll see how your tire, your wheels go. You know, it's not okay. Yeah. Uh, think about your hairdresser. Percent <laughs> will be okay. We'll just cut half of it. <laughs> well, to be fair, when I turned my when I dyed my hair red for the first time, it was it did not look like the picture I'd shown her. It, I was like, this is brown. What I was going for was copper. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, when we get seven out of ten, most of the kids go, woohoo! I passed, and stick that in the drawer. It is not a pass. Um, and uh, if we want to develop lifelong learners, it's always about going back and going, what can I learn from this? Output, uh, having a test just shows you what you need to do next. So uh, seven out of 10, what we want our kids to go do is go, oh, which three did I get wrong and learn that? Because mm. of the hundreds of study tips I actually teach, the most important study tip is, Learn what you don't know. Mm. That's it. So let me give you an example. My daughter comes home. She's young. She comes home and she has 10 spelling words. And she says, mom, the teacher says I need to write them all out 10 times a night. So uh, I said to her, well, how many of them do you know? She shrugs her shoulders and says, I don't know. So I say, well, let me test you. So she's about eight years old. I test her on her 10 words. She knows nine of them. I don't know how or why she knows nine, but she can spell nine of those words. So I said to her, how many of them do you need to learn? And she goes, one. And I said, well, just do one. And then she says, but the teacher mm -hmm. said you need to do write them all out. Now, here's the problem. Writing words out that you already know is a waste of time. Total waste of time because you already can do it. You just want to focus on the ones you can't do or the ones you don't know. So here's what our students do when they go home to study without being taught. They go and focus on all the things they already can do because it makes them feel good. I want to ask your listeners and I want to ask you, Natalie, are you a list writer? No. Oh, okay. So you're not a list writer, but I bet many of your uh, audience are list writers. So here's uh, what I'm going to ask the audience. Uh, have you ever written a list, 
And I mean, then, I, I'm a grocery list, right? You know, I'm a grocery list. Yeah, writer. No, I mean, a to-do list writer. Okay, got and it. That's okay, you don't have to be. But you see, to-do list writers write their to-do list and then they go to cross something off the list that they've already done, right? Because there's a sense of satisfaction when you cross something off a list. And it actually sends chemicals through the brain. It's actually neuroscience. But anyway, uh, what happens is they go to cross something off their list and it's not on the list because they've done something that wasn't on the list. So Natalie, can you guess what they do? Indeed. And I would do it too, probably. Write it in and tick it off. You write it on the list just so you can cross it off. No logical reason for this but physiological reason, because it makes you feel good. So this is why students like going over what they already know. Gosh, I'm clever. Gosh, I'm smart. I know this. And it reaffirms their ability and their learning. However, well, their abilities. Um, And it reaffirms in their brain that they may, if they think they're smart, that they are smart. However, it's not learning. Learning is learning what you don't know. And here's the challenge. When you start learning what you don't know, the brain starts to go, this is hard. This is difficult. What if I can't do this? What if they find out I'm not as smart as they think I am? What if I disappoint my parents? And this is a real uh, fear of many of our kids that they'll disappoint people who are, uh, you know, helping them and supporting them. In fact, it's backed up by a statistic in this country that of the children who uh, work towards scholarship exams, So above level three, they can, in NCA, they can do scholarship exams. Over half of the students who have paid and done the scholarship exams all year do not turn up for the exam because they would rather get a not attempted than a not achieved. Mm. Fascinating. So they're scared of making mistakes and we need to be able to turn that around and say, because here's another myth that we were taught, that learning is fun. Go and have fun. School will be fun. Learning is not always fun. It's hard and it's difficult. And you need the strategies to do that. So do you want some strategies now? I do want some strategies. But first, I want to mention what came into my mind was expectations and labels. Because sometimes early in school, at year whatever, probably primary school, some kids realize or get told and firmly believe, you know, I'm dumb or I'm smart or something in between. And I think sometimes that's right. Like that can play a part in how they expect themselves to go. What I wanted to ask you, you talked about how, you know, if we just focus on the things we already know, we feel like we're so smart and we know it, but it doesn't help. Is it a good strategy to do that as a little bit of a primer to get you in the mood to do some things that you're good at and then move on to the hard stuff? Or are we really just wasting time? Probably just wasting time. So uh, let me share one of my uh, favorite strategies right now have hundreds, but this is a favorite strategy right now. And my kids, my students are using them right now. And that is flashcards. Uh, Everybody, you know, pretty much knows what flashcards are. You have the question on one side, the answer on the other, or the word in one language and the other language, English on the other side. Mm -hmm. Um, And so flashcards are great, but you see, most kids don't know what to do with their flashcards. So what you need is three boxes or three piles or three envelopes. And what you do with your flashcards is on day one, they all start in envelope one and you test yourself on them and you end up with a pile of the ones you know and the ones you don't know. Now, the ones you don't know stay in box one. The ones you know go to box two, right? Then fast forward to day two. Day two, you start with box two. 
So you're right. You start with the ones that you are familiar with. And if you get them right, you put them in box three. If you get them wrong, they go back into box one. Then you work on box one and you're trying to move all of them from box one to box two. Now, fast forward to day three and you don't need to worry about uh, box three anymore. You just start again with box two. Can you move any of those to box three? Do any of them go back to box one? And then you focus on box one. And when you get to day three, here is when you actually have to do some explicit learning. And so maybe you need to use mnemonics uh, to be able to remember it. So uh, maybe it's a little phrase or a uh, story you're going to tell yourself to remember. Maybe it's um, you're going to draw a picture on a diagram. Maybe you're going to make up a little rap or rhyme or song about it. Uh, there could be hundreds of ways that you might deal with those ones that you don't know at this point. And so you keep doing this process until you get them all to box three. And then when they're at box three, you stick them all back in box one and see if it, you still remember them. Now, this is a scientific uh, strategy called spaced repetition. And uh, so we know that after 24 hours, the brain will forget 70% of information. We then know after another three days, it will forget. So we'll only remember, sorry. Uh, let me try that again. I'm going to say that again. After 24 hours, you can remember 90% of what you have learned. So you can remember most of it the day after. You forget 10% within 24 hours. After three days, though, it goes down to uh, 30% recall, 70% forgotten. So this is why going over and over and over it. By the way, parents, this is why when your child comes home from school and you say, what did you do at school today? They go, nothing. I've worked in 41 different countries and every kid, those countries say they do nothing at school. It's the same curriculum worldwide. Partly it's because they can't remember what they did this morning because there's been so much other information piled in on top. So spaced repetition uh, with the boxes and the flashcards is one of my favorite strategies. Oh, I like that. And I was following along as you were describing it with all the boxes and I was, I was could kind of see it. Um, I think that would be a really helpful strategy. And is that something we can use regardless of the age of child? Because I can see that working for all sorts of uh, subjects and all sorts of ages. Absolutely. Uh, because it's spaced repetition. And we, again, we know from neuroscience that uh, the more times you go over and over and over it uh, in different ways, and it, the key is in different ways as well, not always the same way, but in different ways, then uh, your brain is going to remember it. Because we tend to think the brain is, has these uh, filing cabinets or little boxes or little spaces that it puts information. But actually, when you recall a memory, it recalls it from sometimes up to 100, 200 different places in the brain. We think it's just from one place, but it's not. Did you know that uh, capital letters are stored in a different place in the brain than lowercase letters? Vowels are stored in a different place in the brain than consonants. So when you look at a word or you retrieve a word, it actually takes lots of different parts of the brain to retrieve that. So uh, yes, the more this works for everything. I love it. And I always learn so much when I do these interviews. I always learn something new from all my guests, which I love. 
Do you have another practical tip? Um, yeah, it's like I, you know, if you can give us another one that we can use that we can explain to our child or just try it out on them if we're trying, if they let us, you know, sometimes they don't let us help them study, but if they do, <laughs> what can we, Absolutely. what else can we do? Um, uh, distraction free environment. Uh, the brain can't multitask when we're learning. And the question that parents ask me the most is what about them listening to their music? Now, some children can listen to music and some children can't listen to music. And you can't tell which child that is. They have to make this call, but they need to understand. For instance, if the child is singing away to the music, they are not able to focus on what they're learning. Unless, of course, the music was about what they're learning. But if it's random music, their favorite songs, the brain cannot be singing and learning something different at the same time. However, if they put the music on and they don't hear it, perfectly fine. Now, some of your listeners, Nat, are saying, what's the point of having the music if I can't hear it? Those people shouldn't have the music on <laughs> um, <laughs> because it's distracting. You see, what it becomes is what we call white noise. And white noise is noise that we, it's in the background, but we don't hear it. Have you ever been in the kitchen and the fridge stops whirring and it suddenly goes deathly silent and you're like, what happened? And then you realize, oh, the fridge, you, you didn't even know it was making a noise, but when it stops, you notice. And so this is what happens with music for many of our kids. They've grown up with sound in the background at all times. They actually can't deal with silence, many of them. So we actually need to be able to... Um, share with them this research and say you know if you've got the music and you're singing to it turn it off if you've got the music and you don't hear it perfectly fine well that is a great way to measure and I think applicable uh, helpful if people are open to it um, in the workplace as well because there will be some people that are like oh I always have the music going and I'm singing away it's like do you find it hard to concentrate do you feel like you never get all your work done um interesting playing in our office and the thing I don't notice it but what I do notice at a subconscious level is if the same song gets played twice and I'll turn to Mindy in my office and say, we've had that song already. I didn't even know I was listening to the music. So it is very powerful. The brain is attending to it, even if you're not sure. So you've got to be careful that if, if you're finding it hard to concentrate, turn it off and see, or use classical music. And the music we recommend is Baroque music, mm -hmm. Vivaldi. Corelli, Pachelbel, that sort of uh, era. So. What about AirPods? You know, when, if, isn't what they're called? You know, when they have them like right in their ear. Fine, and which I'm concerned about kids having those in their ears a lot too much personally. So if they are going to listen to music, like let's say they're a kid that's not singing along and the music is helpful, like AKA white noise, is it better for them to have it kind of on like a mini, like a Yui Boom type thing, but not too loud rather than in their actual ears? I think you'll find that uh, it probably doesn't make a lot of difference. Uh, if they're using it correctly, it won't be too loud in the earbuds anyway. So uh, you want it just quietly in the background, just as a background filler. So that's what you want. Another key uh, I want to just say, Natalie, in the um, environment is, and parents will be, uh, this is the only tip I teach that parents are the opposite. And for if your child is under 25, they need low lighting, not no lighting, but low lighting. And so as adults, we're over 25 and we have a 
highlight need. And this is the research from Kenneth and Rita Dunn. And uh, they discovered that 70% of our kids have low light needs, whereas 70% of adults have a high light need. So we often put the 100 watt, I don't know what they're called now, this new uh you know, way we measure light bulbs, but the 100 watt bulb or even the 150, so it's bright in their bedrooms or wherever they're studying. And actually that's one of the worst things we can do. We want low lighting 40 or 60 watt bulbs. Uh, so that much lower lighting. Oh, so good. So helpful. Um, and just, it's like little, some of it is little tweaks that we wouldn't think about with the music the intensity of the lighting, um, but they can actually make a big difference. So this is really, really helpful. Um, I'm going to move on in a moment, but if you have another one on the tip of your tongue, you're welcome to share. Um, I actually just want to say this, that many of our students are coming into practice exams or uh, whatever they call them in the school. Uh, these uh, They call them mocks, mocks. Mock, mock exams. Yes. So uh, if you ask them why they're taking the mock exams, they will say, in case I need a derived grade. Now, I don't know where this has come from, perhaps possibly Christchurch earthquake, because that was one of the first times in New Zealand that those derived grades became very, very important, that they could take their mock exams and go, oh, this is what they would have done. And so this has become part of the culture, but that's not why you take a mock exam. The reason you take a mock exam is to find out what you don't know so you can learn it so you can pass the real exam. Mm. That's the reason. But Every kid in this country tells me I'm taking them because I need derived grades, if I need a derived grade, which also, by the way, for our mental health of our kids means I've done the mock exams, I did okay, so I won't need to do the real exams. So they uh, uh, opt out or they get sick and they go, oh, good, I've got derived grades, but actually they're not going to be nearly as good and they haven't had that learning opportunity that they could have. So terminology-wise, derived grade, just for, for myself and, and listeners. So basically it's kind of a backup plan. Like if they, for some, whatever reason, natural disaster or otherwise cannot take the real exam, they've got it. That's kind of where it came from, but you're saying now it's kind of being used not, not for that exact purpose. Well, that's, well, the practice exams were always originally mm. about finding out what you don't know. So you can learn them, right. learn what you don't know. But now, yes, uh, students are thinking, well, I've got that backup. And, you know, when we've got a backstop, we don't necessarily try as hard moving forward. Yeah, I think you're so spot on with that. Um, yeah, and they do need, they do need you know, opportunities to practice where it's not the end of the world if it's not an amazing mark. And like you said, just bringing the focus back to what is it that I don't know um, and what do I need to learn? I love that. Um, okay, I'm going to go in a moment to the four questions that I ask all my guests. Um, and, but I would love to ask you about that card that you showed me before we started recording. You've got some special study card. Can you talk about that briefly? Yes. Yeah, so it's actually a series of four cards that have uh, study hacks on them. So brain uh, ideas of how to learn a language, how to uh, study um, uh, something that's challenging. So it's just got lots and lots of different strategies and it explains the strategy so uh, we'll put a link down below or you can just email me karen at spectrumeducation.com or info at spectrumeducation.com. But I need to let you know, I think it costs $7. Yeah. So we'll just put a little cost on it because there's a lot of time and effort to develop. These things are beautiful, they're colorful. But I do want to tell you about a free, quick, free resource. And that is, I've got an app 
that is completely free and it's called I Study Alarm. So Mm -hmm. I, the letter I, study, alarm, all one word. Uh, It's on all the platforms. It's completely free. There are no in-app purchases. There's no ads. It's pure app. And it's got 27 study tips within it. It's got break ideas. It's got exam tips. And what it does is study. If kids are having challenges, it times them to study for 20 minutes and then gives them a five-minute break. A little Pomodoro. Yep, Pomodoro. Yes, that is amazing. That's I think that thank you so much for mentioning that. So just going back to the card, is it actually a card or is it just a digital download? They print oh, it themselves. They are digital downloads. Okay. Yes. Just want to make sure expectation management. Um, and then with the app, it, I study alarm app and that is free and it's got all sorts of goodies and in, in 27 study tips. Amazing. Yes. Thank you. Well, as for everyone listening, I hope this helps. I mean, I really want we're here. That's what my show is about. Motivation, inspiration and empowerment, most of all. And as parents, you know, we want to empower our kids. We need to let them make mistakes. Right. Um, But we also want to give them the tools to succeed and to do their best and to not, of course, live by labels like I'm dumb or I'm not good at exams. It's like, yeah, but you just haven't been shown how. So hopefully some of these tips, strategies, hacks that Karen's talked about today are going to be really helpful for your family. Um, Karen, I'd love it if you could share with us, what is one thing you've done in the last year, maybe different from last time, where you truly upped your brave? I'm right in the middle of it right now. I am applying uh, and tendering for a huge contract, uh, which would uh, see um, some significant changes in education because my uh, my tagline is uh well, my goal is to transform education globally. And so I am tendering for an opportunity. It is huge. I'm swimming around in this big container. Um, I am learning so much, uh, but I absolutely know the team I've pulled together, if we can pull this off, uh, if we can get the tender, we can truly make a bigger impact uh, in education right now in this country. So yes, I'm very excited about that and scaring the pants off me. It sounds good. Well, you know, it is needed now more than ever. I think so many people are concerned about what our kids are being taught, what the kids are not being taught. Um, so that it so definitely keep us posted. If you do have an update, I can I can share it in an upcoming episode. Um, and this might lead into the next one, but bucket list, is there anything we can help you to achieve? What is one thing on your bucket list um, that's something you want to do, be, or experience that we might be able to help you do? Absolutely. Well, it's going to be the same as last time because it's my biggest bucket list item right now. And so two years ago, I started my online school, Spectrum Online Academy, Kids Beeman Every Day. And uh, I am really looking to grow that school because we know we've got a model that's working. We know that kids are learning and they're progressing faster than they would in the traditional school system. They are learning life skills. I've got students who are taking board games that they've designed to market. Uh, you know, we've got, we've, we just did a project with our uh, some of our kids to design their, uh, find their dream car and uh, Excel spreadsheets galore. You should see what they've created. Just amazing. Uh, but r- like we really teach them real life strategies and skills that they're going to need out in the in the world. And so I am looking for investors, for sponsors, for people to, for teachers to, uh, you know, come on board and help us grow. So if you know someone whose uh, child isn't uh, doing well in school or is 
anxious or is uh, being bored in school, uh, let us know. We'd love to talk. But really what we're needing is investors to help us grow this. Okay. And just to clarify, so it's an, it's your online academy. It's not like a study, extra study thing. It's actual school um, that they can do if kids. So a kind of organized homeschool, but the parents don't have to teach it. You guys will teach it and you're all trained teachers and everything. Parents have to be involved, but uh, absolutely. So we teach the curriculum. Yes. Amazing. And I'm sure you'll get a lot of people more, more than ever before reaching out to you for that. And thank you for every, for all that you're doing in this area um, basically giving kids and, and families so many, a different option when they're concerned with what's going on in school, school, um, what is coming up for you? And once again, I know you mentioned it, but how can we reach out? How can people connect? Uh, probably the most interesting thing for parents right now is, uh, in October, we have our parenting summit online summit, and it's about parenting for resilience, confidence, and independence. And I wrote a book a couple of years ago called Roots and Wings. How do we give our children those roots and that stability? And how do we give them wings so they can fly? The truth is, Natalie, I'm a total fraud because my children are 21 and 23 and they haven't left home. And the book is all about how to get them to leave home. Uh, So total fraud. They just won't go. Uh, But anyway, um, the Parenting Summit is on early October during the school holidays. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, I interview parenting experts and Natalie's been on it before. parenting experts from all around the world about resilience, confidence, and independence, and give you skills uh, to give your students, uh, children skills to be able to even work with your relationship better, uh, whether that's with your significant other or your child, uh, learning strategies, the whole lot. It's a very exciting summit. So, Okay, uh, so how do they sign up for that? Is that available now to sign up for or not yet? It will be in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, so it will be in a couple of weeks. uh, by the time this airs, maybe a week. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yes, but just go to spectrumeducation.com. You will find everything uh, about us there. If you're a teacher, you'll find the Teachers Matter. If you're a parent, you'll find the Parents tab. If you are a, a student, you'll find the Study Smart information. Uh, so there's lots and lots and lots of information there. Amazing. It's so good. Um, Thank you so much, Karen, for joining us again on the Up Your Brave show. Any final words before we wrap? I think if you've got kids going into exams soon, just uh, be calm because if you get stressed around it, it's going to stress them even more. So make sure they've got that positive attitude, encourage them to do the hard. I often say you've got to get go through hard to get to easy and so to do the hard and uh, put in I've talked about the new f word the new f word is effort (laughs) start with f it's got two f's in it but put the effort in which is what they often don't want to do put the effort in and it will be worth it amazing thank you so much everyone for listening we've been talking to karen tui boys all about study smart from spectrumeducation.com thanks karen You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio.